Let's get right into it. First Chronicles 4, 9. Now, this is a great, great, great story of, of what God's doing in our life. There was a man named Jabez who was more honorable than any of his brothers. His mother named him Jabez because the birth had been so painful. So there we are. There we are in life where we are standing shoulder to shoulder with great men because you're great yourself. In fact, you're, you're more honorable than some of the people around you. You've got the call of God on your life. You've got an anointing on your life. You have a place you're going, and there's an honor with that. And then it's how you honor your pastor, and it's how you honor your, your wife. And it's, you, you have this honor that some of the people around you don't have, but yet you're going through a season of pain. Like Jabez, Jabez had the honor more than other ones, but yet he was called pain. And maybe that season in your life right now is that, that you know you have honor. You know that you're doing it right. You know that you're praying the prayers. You're doing what God's asking you to do, but still there's a season of pain. The Jabez in Hebrew is yabetz. It's distress or pain. Maybe this is a Jabez season for you. Maybe it's that where you don't know the ending yet because the beginning, it's just a little, it's challenging. The beginning of a season sometimes isn't what we think it could be. The beginning of a season sometimes is challenging. The beginning of a season sometimes is painful, especially if God's doing a new thing in you. And I know many of the people in this room right now, and all that you're listening right now, you might have been given a new season. And God's doing something new in that. But it's a painful thing because it's a new thing, and it's not easy. I don't know about you, but some of the, some of the seasons I've had that were easy, I really didn't get much out of it. But the seasons that, I, that were hard and challenging, I grew from because it's really easy to get caught up in the circumstances and overthink them and, have a, and all of a sudden start believing that they have authority over you and then not take in your circumstances and say, no, my residence isn't on earth. My residence is in heaven. So therefore, I'm not concerned about that because now I sit with heaven, God in heaven, and I can prophesy to that now. I'm not praying that God would move in it. I stand up here and I prophesy that I call the things that are not to the things that are because it's residence. And that's kind of a supernatural thing right there. But practically stating it's this. The Spirit of God lives in you. You've been adopted unto him now. Now you are him by the blood. Don't try to figure it out. Just accept it. That, that cross 2,000 years ago created a whole new thing, and that's why you feel this presence of God in your life so many times throughout your pilgrimage. Sometimes it's just really strong anointing. Sometimes you're watching other people get touched. Sometimes a word comes in, and you're reading the Bible and goes, wow, that's never saw that before. Or someone can stand on a stage and give you a revelation that just really encourages you. That's all feeding your spirit. That spirit resides with God. That's really who you are because that's your spirit, man. But now your flesh man lives in all of this. We have lungs, we have hearts, we breathe, we walk, we talk, we have cravings. It's all that stuff that can confound it. So what I'm stating is that you now in your spirit, be a spirit man. Don't be a selfish man. Be a godly man. And let all the, everything that God's word gives us have the power to do so. For instance, like look, what, look at Jacob or um, Jabez now. So Jabez in 1 Chronicles 4, 9, it says that he was honorable, but they called him pain. And look what happens in 4.10, the very next breath. Jabez cried out to God of Israel, to the God of Israel, oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from what? Pain. I will be free from pain. And God granted the request. Don't be afraid to go to God. 
Don't be afraid to take your pain to God. Lord, do these things that I will no longer be in pain. I don't want the Jabez season to last my life. I understand we go through seasons of pain and we're in those Jabez moments, but we can't stay there. We can't stay in the pain. We have to stand up and go, Lord, please do this. And he doesn't say it like, oh God, maybe if you would possibly find time to bless me. I don't know. Maybe I guess I could, I could do it. I don't know. If you don't want to, I understand. I'll stay here. But you know, no. Oh, God, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. Oh, God, I beg you. Lord, hear me while, other, while others that are calling, please do not pass me by. Lord, I need you. I trust you. I believe in you. Yes, absolutely. When my child comes up to me and says, Dad, I need this from you. You promised me that this would happen. You're like, yeah, I did, didn't I? Okay, I'll keep my word. I told you, if you got all straight A's, I would get you Fender Strat Deluxe. But sometimes we think God's not going to keep his word. Sometimes we think because of our pain and because of our sin and because we're incapable of thinking beyond our pain, God is disciplining us because we're not in that position of faith. But it's just so untrue. Faith is something that we choose to do. It's something we choose to believe in. It is a choice. I am not defined by my faith. I'm not defined by my relationships. I am defined by my choices. You want to know who I am? Watch me 365 days with a camera, and you'll see who I am by my choices. How I choose to talk, how I choose to walk, what I do when no one's looking, what I do when no one's listening. All that stuff, that defines me. So we have to choose to be defined by our faith. So the question is, are you, are you ham or are you eggs? Okay, got your attention now, don't I? Like, oh God, where's he going to go with this? Because it's very simple. There's two ways to approach your life. There's two ways to approach your marriage. There's two ways to approach the throne that you've been called to sit on to shepherd your life. Because you are your own pastor. You are to pastor your life. You are to pastor your calling. You are to pastor your family. You are to pastor your legacy. We have pastors over us, but God's called you to be a pastor as well. Because we'd be very foolish to think it was Jared's job to pastor your wife, right? Or Haley and Austin and Tanner's job to pastor your children. That would be very foolish. Now, they can water them and point to them, but it's my job to pastor. So look at this. The pig is committed. The chicken has contributed. Hammer eggs. The pig had to give his life. The chicken gave a couple eggs and went on. So are you contributing to your life or are you committed to your life? Are you committed to doing what God called you to do or are you contributing to it? Hammer eggs. Bacon. <laughs> if Jesus was a pork food, I'm thinking he would be bacon. I'm just saying that. Please don't quote me on that and send me a thousand emails on that. But yeah, it's about commitment. It's about getting your heart space correct, that you can now do what God called you to do. Now, I'm not too sure what you've gone through in your life, but most of the times that I'm dealing with God and God's dealing with me, it's because it's something bigger than me. It's requiring more than what I possess. Maybe it's more patience for the people that are hurting me. Maybe it's more wisdom for my family that's not acting correctly. Maybe I don't have the shepherding heart down yet. 
because up until now, I haven't been reading the right books. I haven't been surrounding myself with the right guys. I haven't been, you know what? We can just get fatigued in our own circumstances, especially when they go on for years and years and years. Whether that's a wife that's not loving you the way she needs to love you. Maybe you're not loving someone the way you're supposed to love. Maybe the money hasn't been managed right. There's a thousand things, gentlemen, that can cause us to get off the, the, the commitment path and just become a contributor. I contribute to my children. No, I'm committed to my children. I contribute to my wife. No, I'm committed to my wife. I'm committed to God. I'm committed to the scriptures. If the scriptures say it, I believe it. Let somebody else argue with it. Because I just don't really have the time in my life to argue with somebody if they don't believe full scripture. And I have no judgment. But for me, in my house, man, I just want to serve the word. If the Bible says I'm, he's going to do it, I believe he's going to do it. If I can lose it all through disbelief and doubt, can't I gain it all through belief and faith? Isn't it that simple? It can, if I can commit to faith, doesn't it just work out instead of contributing to it? Just to some of the challenges that we have. And what will happen to most of us is after a night like this where everything is really good right now and this is really speaking to you, you'll go outside and, yeah, I think I'll do that maybe next week. Right? Because your circumstances are going to overwhelm you when you step off the sidewalk. That was a great message, but... I'm still in it, man. Yeah, I just, I'm good. I'm on the way home. All those bad thoughts start coming back again. By the time I get home, I'm just the same person I was when I left this morning. Although it was a great message, maybe I can try to get that somewhere on YouTube or something. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I'm just going to do what I normally do, and there you are. So some of the challenges we have is procrastination. And very simply put, I said this a moment ago, the sooner you do it, the sooner you get through it. Very simple very simple. Put it in your tool belt. The next time you start procrastinating faith, say, no, I'm going to believe. I'm going to believe starting now. I'm going to have a now moment. I'm going to be present in my life. I'm going to be present and committed to what God's called me to do today, tonight, tomorrow, this week. And I am telling you, it is not easy when your entire support system is pulling you down. But I'm going to encourage you, gentlemen, to hang out with men and women, husband and wife teams, that are lifting you up, that are pouring into you. Sometimes in your life, you can have withdrawals. But a lot of times in your life, you need to make deposits. If you don't take the time and be committed to the deposit of faith in your life, the faith sometime can make you spiritually bankrupt. And now you don't have what's needed to get that. Well, I had the money. I had the faith. I had the wealth of the spirit. But now I'm just, I'm running low. I just, I, I can't believe for that right now because of this. Now, if this wasn't here, which is not, which is the misnomer of all of this, the challenges we have in life. By the way, there's always another one. Put in your rearview mirror. There's always another one. There's always another one. There's always going to be a challenge. There's always going to be pruning. There's always going to be correction. There's always going to be this teaching spirit that we need. In the process of defining faith, that's a bit even, it's a bit nebulous because this word faith, 
is used in so many different ways. Sometimes it's been really healthy. Times you've seen that in sermons, and sometimes it's been really unhealthy when people use that to maybe get something of their own, of their own volition to do some other people's faith. But what I'm talking about right now is your ability to believe. Your ability to believe, is God real or is God not real? Was Jesus' work totally, 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 completely, 100% fulfilled, and you now have that freedom, or is there gray in that? Are you saved by works? Or are you saved by faith? Do you walk in the promise, or do you walk in the law? Because no matter what the law does, no matter what the governments do, no matter what the surrounding principalities think they may own, the promise can never, I'm sorry, the, the law can never threaten the promise, or there would have been no Jesus, and you would not have had salvation. If the law could have extinguished it, it would have. It couldn't. And by the way, the enemy has no control over you, or you wouldn't be here. If the enemy had any control, Randy Ashburn would not be here. You wouldn't be here. So the law can't threaten the promise, so we have to become people by faith. And sometimes it, there's, there's a fickleness to it all, too, because you'll see yourself in this faith, and a lot of men like to isolate themselves and interestingly enough, I, I feel this, and I could be completely wrong, but in that process of isolation, people like to be, feel, and maybe, maybe I'm not speaking to you, but maybe I am, but sometimes you need that individuality to feel like you're just a bit more special, and there's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. Nothing wrong with, nothing wrong with knowing the Elijah inside of you, because that's a special guy, right? Because Elijah has something unique and every single one of you has something unique. And I like the idea of, for me to feel 100% unique and powered, I like to feel that I'm special to my dad. My children that you just saw love it when I walk in and I make them the number one thing in the room. They smile ear to ear. Grayson's got a smile that will bring you to your knees. Ryder has a smile that just, just brings a spirit of joy and cuts through every burden known to mankind. He's just so confident. But there is something about it when, my, when I go to them and I make them number one in a sea of, well, first of all, we have a lot of nurses and nannies, so I'm really the only guy, so that's special right there. I'm the only guy with a low voice. Hey, baby. And, oh, daddy. But there's something so incredibly beautiful when the father takes notice of the son. And you feel special. And I want to encourage you guys to think that. I want you to think that you're special. I want you to think that you're unique. And when the enemy comes up and says, but you're not like him, you say, you're darn sure right I'm not like him. I'm like me. And that's okay. You don't need to be like anyone. I don't care what the TV says. I know what we all want. I know how we all see ourselves as 18-year-old um, Baywatch guys, right? <laughs> That's, yeah, I still got it, baby. You know, it, but in, real, in reality, in the spiritual side of life, I want you to feel unique. I want you to feel that God has a purpose for you that nobody else could pull off, that he has a calling for you that nobody else could do because here's what makes you valuable is who you are because I know that's what makes me valuable. I can say that with absolute authority because I know what makes me valuable is who I am. It's who I am in him, but it's also who I am. My heart, how I think, how I love, how I just, how I process it all. It just makes me who I am. And I'm not saying I'm all that in a bag of chips, but you're the exact same thing. 
You're unique and wonderful and powerful because of who you are and how you think and what you do and the choices you make. It makes you unique and it makes you equipped. Another great man, if you read about it in 1 Kings in chapter 18 and 19, was Elijah. And here's two different sides of his coin. Elijah said he was the only prophet left on the mountain and was fearless because he was about to take him out all of Baal. Then the next time he starts talking about it, when he was in a cave, he says, but when Elijah was in the cave, he said, I am the only prophet left. And he was faithless. God, I can't do this. I can't do this. But there's times in our life and our uniqueness when we feel like we're the only one that I can do this because God's called me to do it. But there are going to come times in your life like Elijah that you're going to feel like, God, I can't do this. What am I, the only guy that could do this? There's no way I can beat this thing. And little, little did Elijah know at that time, God had already set up 100 prophets for him. He didn't know. He was just weary, weary, weary. But the greatest thing about Elijah's ministry, he was always teachable. Elijah never had it figured out. Elijah always had to seek God. He always had to figure things out in the spirit. And from when he, whether he's putting hand, hand, mouth, mouth on a child, figuring that out, whether he's telling all these people, no, you worship Satan worshipers, do it. Let's just see who's God's going to work. In fact, pour water on it. Pour more. You know what? Dig a trench around it. Pour as much water on there as you want. My God's still going to move. I'm the last prophet. You can't take me out. We understand this challenge is in walking in faith. But the one thing you have going for yourself, what makes you valuable is this. It's what you don't know. What makes you valuable is what you don't know because it proves you're teachable. The fact that you don't know it gives you value because God's going to show you. And as long as you stay teachable, and as long as you can receive the word, as long as you can grow in the word, as long as you can start to adopt those principles of transforming your mind and being not conformed to the circumstances of your life, but transformed and all of a sudden walking through those circumstances. That ability to be that person that you've always wanted to be, that the circumstances didn't breach you down, they actually just make you grow up. They make you mature. It's the teachable spirit. When you have a child or you've been around a nephew or you have a sibling or you've seen it in the schoolyard, the kid who thought he knew it all. How irritating was that kid? Remember at school, you had that one guy that knew everything, had all the answers. You're just like, oh, gosh, I wish he would just be quiet. He just keeps talking and talking and talking. And, but how cool was the one that asked all the questions? How cool is that one child that you may have? That, hey, Daddy what's this do instead of, oh, no, 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 you can't tell me anything. And I understand the teenage years are the teenage years. We get that. But a teachable spirit is so beautiful. It is so freeing to realize your freedom and your power is you don't have to know it all. All you need to know is what your next step is. What is your next step? What is your next step? That's all you need to know. Am I where I'm supposed to be? Yes. Did God tell you to move yet? Nope. Stay. I'm good. And we'll just wait until God shows us. Me going to Denver was very much like that. I kept having to wait for the next step, the next step, the next step. And I actually really didn't even have an agenda in it. I was just being obedient, walking to this thing, walking to that thing, having no idea I was going to meet this guy. It was honestly not on my radar at all until about a week before I left that it was all sort of unpacking there at the very, very end. 
The challenge is when you go through the unteachable side of the, Lord, I'm only the prophet left. I can't do this. I'm the only voice of reason in my home. I'm the only guy at work that really gets what you're doing. I'm the only guy. You know, we can feel that way. The challenge is this. The enemy always tries to remove the grace from your future. His mission is to have you start doubting what God's going to do in your life. Raise your hand if God's blessed you. Okay, hands down. Raise your hand if God's going to stop blessing you. Believe for more. Believe for more. Right now, believe for more. If you know he's going to bless you, Lord, expand my tents. Lord, give me more territory that I won't be walking in this pain. Even though my season was called pain, Lord, I don't want pain anymore. So I'm declaring to you, God, you're going to do something because maybe I am the last prophet. Maybe I am the last guy in my sphere of influence. Maybe I'm the last guy in my, my, in my block, in my community, in my neighborhood, in my house, in my world. Maybe I'm the last one, but God, I'm declaring you're doing something. And that makes you teachable because God can now show you how he's going to do it. Because you don't have to stay where, you, where you're at. The secret isn't staying and setting up camp. The secret is making one step, realizing you guys have an enemy. Maybe you're your own enemy. I don't really know what Lucifer looks like. We could all have our opinions on the Bible. Of he's beautiful. He was anointed, but now he's not anointed. He had every instrument made by God inside of his body. He controlled all of worship. Crazy, beautiful story. We have no idea what that means when he took one-third of the angels. And in a second, by the way, God never even blinked an eye, didn't get up from his throne, wasn't taken back. He just said, damn, bam, you're done. You're now, you're now cursed. You're now going to be on earth. You're now going to be on the ground. I don't know what that looks like, but that's a big God. That's your dad. You reside with him. He sent his son to save you. So let's don't get in our circumstances and act like our enemy who has no control over your life whatsoever has any power in your life. He has no power. The secret is this. Learn to make your forceful enemies, fearful enemies. Oh, you don't want to mess with me because I come with a very big God and that battle that you want to have actually doesn't belong to me. It belongs to him. So I'm just going to step back and watch this unfold. Let God do it. You're going to go through battles. You're going to go through challenge. You're going to go through pain. You're going to go through a Jabez season where it doesn't feel like you can get out. But I want to encourage you, be like Jabez. Be like a man named Pain and stand up and say, God, I need this to happen. And you do it with might. And we understand that sometimes you feel like you're the number one guy and sometimes you feel like you're not the number one guy. But never once can we lose our, our faith and let our enemies start controlling us. It, we we got to have the freedom of this. There's one component, if you read throughout the Bible, that is with almost every story that I've ever read. Whether it was Mordecai making a place for Esther, whether it was Naomi making a place for Ruth, whether it was God dealing with Paul, whether it was Samuel dealing with David, whether it was Abraham dealing with Isaac, who dealt with Jacob, who dealt with Joseph, whether it was dealing with Aaron, whether it was dealing with Joshua. There was always support. 
there was always support. In the Bible, everybody had a support. Sometimes it was the Spirit of God. Sometimes it was people. I still go back to my, my life verse, John 11, 43 and 44, when, when Jesus looked at the man who thought he was dead, who thought his time was over, he thought the thing that he was called for wasn't going to happen, and he, when he was wrapped up and bound in clothes, and he appeared to be dead, and maybe that's you, maybe there's a relationship that appears to be dead, maybe your role as a parent appears to be dead, maybe that role of an entrepreneur that you're really passionate about it appears to be dead, maybe that thing appears to be dead, that's 1143, but in 1144, it says, Lazarus, come forth, loose that man, that he may be free. Maybe that's you, that you're now getting loosed, and now you can start walking in freedom, because yes, there was a time I felt I couldn't do anything, but God's doing something new in me. It's this support thing, and the challenge is that the, final, the finite intention that we have to have with it, because not everybody in this room is going to be best friends. There's different personalities, there's different behaviors, there's different interests, there's different schedules, but there are, everybody in this room can be connected. Everybody in this room can be connected to somebody. Every person in this church that comes through these doors can be connected to somebody, whether it's a circle, whether it's starting in Canyon Country and joining the setup and teardown team, whether it's being here on Tuesday nights, whether it's just doing something, you can be connected. And here's the truth. It's threading that needle of support. Who are you asking for help? Who is your support? How are you threading that needle? How are you taking that little thing and say, this is exactly what I want to do. I want to deal with this. I need to put this in here. What can I do for help? Now, not all your answers lie in this room, but you don't have to go through it alone. You don't have to go through it alone. You're anointed. You're called. You have the Spirit of God living in you. God is standing in heaven knowing that he resides over all things, including your circumstance. It doesn't matter if it's hard. It doesn't matter if it's challenging. It doesn't matter if they said you're having twins. Uh, it doesn't matter what the bank account looks like. It doesn't matter what the kids are doing. It doesn't matter what she's doing. It doesn't matter what he's doing. It doesn't matter what they did. It doesn't matter what it was. What matters is who are you? Because it's not what you're doing. It's who you are being. Who are you being? Who are you talking to about that? Because God's with you. God's for you. God's in you for him, but he's on you for them. He's in you for his own thing, but then he comes on you to minister to other people. It's community. It's relationship. I was telling Adam earlier, I was meeting with someone. I have no idea who it was. Um, if it was you, amen. Um, but they were telling me that Adam prophesied over them at a man camp. And he said it meant so much to him, Adam, when he received that from you. He was really broken and touched and knew God was going to move. And right now, he is in that season you prophesied over, that all things are coming together. It's all working. I think your prophecy was you're going to go through a season of challenge and adversity, but God's got something great through it. He's gone through all of that. Now he's coming great through it. Now he remembers the prophetic word. Now he's on fire. You have no idea, do you? <laughs> exactly. He's like, I got nothing. God has a plan because he's in you for him, but he's on you for them. See, he's working inside Adam as, as a son of God and who he is as a father, but then he anoints the men, I'm using Adam as an example, to minister to other people. That's why it's so important we walk by faith because it's not only you that's affected. The enemy likes to isolate you and say God's not going to move in your future. And he likes to put you in a position of doubt. And all of a sudden, the enemy wins. And all of a sudden, his foot's in the door. And his arm's in the door. 
Next thing you know, he's moved in with his family. And you're asking him for permission. Hey, is it okay if I sleep here? No. I don't know why I think he sounds like that, but I must have a really low, raspy voice. We cannot let anything, anything, including our own mindsets, stop us from the ability to believe. God is a God of faith. God is God of faith. It's what we're doing with these challenges because what you do not, you will not conquer what you do not confront. What you do not confront, you will not conquer. You've got to confront it. You've got to talk about it. You've got to get the right support. You've got to realize maybe you're going through pain. You've got to realize who are you in Christ? What can you say to the pain? What do we say about this stuff? Who are we talking to? How are we dealing with it? You guys got to realize that we are alive in Christ. We are no longer dead to our sins, and there comes a freedom to that. And what can happen? It's the difference between a get-to and a got-to moment. Because when you first get saved, you get to be in love with Jesus. You're telling everybody. You're telling your teachers. You're telling your friends. You're telling your family members. You're telling everyone you can think of that Jesus is amazing. Then somewhere there's a heart change because you got disappointed, and you got hurt, and you had to go through a challenge and an adversity and a trial, and all of a sudden it becomes a get-to moment. I'm going to church. It's awesome. I, 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 I get to go to church. It's going to be great. Pastor did a great message. Worship was awesome. Go, come through challenge and adversity. Hey, do you want to go with me? I got Laker tickets. No, I got to go to church. Yeah, I got to do this thing for Pastor Randy. I'm on the media team, so now I can't do it. You know, it, it turns into, it's, a, it's an issue of the heart. It's an issue of the heart. We have to confront that because you're alive. You're alive in Christ. And it doesn't matter what coffins the enemy tries to put you in. It doesn't even matter if God's going to take you and bury you for three days because the truth is this. Things buried alive cannot die. You are alive in Christ. Sometimes you have to go to the nighttime process of faith where you can't see anything like those three days of Jesus where he had no idea what was going to happen. But out of that, because unless a mustard seed die, it can't produce fruit. Unless we die to ourselves, we're not going to have the fruits that God's called us to do. So we have to remember, sometimes there is a little dying season. There's a pruning, but you've got to have support. You've got to go through it. And above all, you have to have faith. It's your moment. It's your season. It's your season to see not only what God's going to do in you, but what's going to do to the guy to the right and left of you. What's he going to do in your community, in your neighborhood? What's he going to do in you? How is he doing it in you? We've got to start articulating it and talking about it and not only be caught in the act of worship, but why don't we just become worshipers? I don't want to be caught in the act of Christianity. Oh, he acted like such a good Christian. I'm so surprised that happened. Holy cow, I didn't see that coming because he acted like that. How about we just be it? Why don't we just realize sometimes seasons are painful, but we can survive the pain because the purpose. God's purpose in you is bigger than any pain you'll go through. <laughs>